0: Salvagine SARS-CoV-2 Task Force, the founder of Salvagine about COVID-19 immunisation possibilities. There now follows an interview given by Dr Hess, founder of Salvagine, at a press conference in Germany on the subject of the coronavirus pandemic and the prospects for immunity against COVID-19. What has been your personal experience of the current crisis?
1: It's a very interesting time for us scientists, but also for the general public, because this is the first time that they have been able to see science in action. We now realise that, at the beginning of the pandemic, we scientists knew very little about the coronavirus and the disease it causes, namely COVID-19. We were learning step by step, sometimes hour by hour, and occasionally had to go back and correct ourselves. We obviously try to abide by the laws of probability and logic, That is the reason why we are sometimes very cautious in our statements and only issue them on the basis of scientific evidence. Our clients have a keen interest in preserving and optimising their health, so they are particularly appreciative of the efforts we make on their behalf to keep them informed and to filter out disinformation.
0: How high does the Salvagine team set the threshold for scientific proof?
1: Any statement we make to the effect that something has been proven will always be based on the scientific evidence. This approach contrasts with that taken by the economic sciences, or, to some extent, medicine, where it is largely a question of statistical and empirical evidence. The natural sciences are based on formulas that do not allow any wiggle room for interpretation. The laws of science are therefore absolutely immutable, and that is their great advantage. It is the same in virology, where hard facts are what count. However, there are always politicians who prefer to interpret these factors for themselves.
0: What additional measures should the medical world take to further suppress the pandemic?
1: Medicine must rely more on the natural sciences, especially biochemistry. As I've just mentioned, biochemistry is far more evidence-based than many other areas of medicine, where the evidence is mainly empirical in nature. At Salvagine, our findings are based on both scientific and empirical evidence. Another problem in medical research was that, at the beginning of the pandemic, they relied heavily on epidemiology, which was, of course, fully understandable. But this particular discipline is also based primarily on statistical and empirical evidence and thus neglects real biochemical facts. In principle, there are three routes to countering a pandemic. One is through vaccination, which we don't expect to become available any time soon. The second option involves medication for individuals who have had the misfortune to become infected. A number of drugs have come into the frame. Apart from the front runner Remdesivir, they include Calitra, which is used on HIV patients, the anti malaria drug hydroxychloroquine, which has now been definitively rejected by the FDA, the antibiotic azithromycin, and beta interferon, an MS drug for which we have great hopes and which we also use to measure interferon receptors within the scope of our immunization program. We also analyze the interleukin receptors, and here too there is a promising interleukin inhibitor, namely tasalizumab. We expect that this will be the third drug to receive FDA approval, joining remdesivir and dexamethasone. Remdesivir is mainly used in the early stages of hospitalization, and dexamethasone only at the end of a very severe course of the disease, but never both drugs in combination. In the third of our three routes, we need to shift the focus, especially in immunology, virology, pathology and genetics, away from the epidemiological context and towards that of biochemistry, from which an appropriate immunization strategy must be derived. In this way, we can become less dependent on the development of drugs and vaccines. We at Salvagene pride ourselves on being highly advanced in the field of immunisation, and our COVID-19 immunisation programme is very close to achieving an immunity status equivalent to that conferred by a vaccine.
0: Are there things you wish that had been done differently at the very beginning of the pandemic?
1: During the early stages in particular, when the first cases were reported and the first wave of patients were being hospitalised, the public naturally looked to the emergency doctors as generalists and the physicians did everything that was humanly possible. However, because they initially assumed that SARS-CoV-2 was a virus that only attacked the lungs, the situation very quickly got out of hand, and many of the deaths resulted from mistakes in the treatment administered. Since then, the hospitals have set up dedicated reception boards with specialists from the various medical disciplines because it has been acknowledged that errors were made in the treatment given early on. Now that we know that this is a multiviral event, we have to prioritize differently. The salvaging deescalation pathway begins with a measurement of coagulation factors at a computer tomography examination. Only then is it clear what the likely course of a COVID-19 disease will be for the individual concerned. In the case of coagulation problems, this might lead to embolisms, thromboses, and even to mortalities. If the wrong steps have been prioritised at the beginning, even recovering patients find that their energy levels have not returned to normal after weeks or even months because long-term damage has occurred, usually to the lungs, but also to the heart.
0: What do you think about people with milder symptoms being told to stay at home to avoid further infection of others?
1: This is potentially fatal because it means that the virus can continue to spread and affect the various organs even though the person affected does not show any major symptoms externally. Two-thirds of all severe cases require dialysis treatment at the same time because the kidneys are also affected. That is why we regularly measure the GFR glomerular filtration rate of the kidneys in our COVID-19 immunization program and try to optimize it as much as possible. It is also the reason why we recommend that pharmaceuticals taken only for health optimization reasons are replaced by natural substances that do not put the kidneys under any additional unnecessary strain. As examples of such pharmaceutical products, we could mention statins and metformin.
0: To what extent do you believe we will succeed in controlling the virus?
1: At the moment, it is looking more likely that it will become even more complex and difficult in the future. The latest outbreak in Beijing shows us once again how little we have the virus under control at the moment. The genetic sequence of the current Beijing virus has already been altered, and the response of the Chinese authorities to the increased number of new cases has been prodigious. From this, we have to conclude that this particular genetic modification has to be taken very seriously indeed.
0: What potential obstacles do you see along the way to finding a comprehensive solution for the whole of humanity?
1: From our perspective, it is primarily a matter of political obstacles, especially the politicisation of the WHO, where politically motivated decisions have been made on several occasions. This is something we have already been critical of. Drugs were recommended before being revoked shortly afterwards, with the devastating consequence that people were given the wrong medication, most notably hydroxychloroquine, which was formulated to combat malaria. After many months of back and forth, the FDA has now finally withdrawn its emergency approval. Another example is the recent news from the WHO that a breakthrough in the form of the drug dexamethasone has been achieved in the treatment of COVID-19. Once again, the public are pinning their hopes on this medication, but the basis for the announcement is only a press release from the University of Oxford, where they have conducted a study that has not even been evaluated by an independent expert, as is customary. In fact, it is only relevant to patients who are suffering from the highest level of complications, who already require artificial respiration, and in whom the anti-inflammatory dexamethasone has been shown to lower the mortality rate by up to 40%. It needs to be said that, in many countries, this drug is available without a prescription in pharmacies, so announcements such as the one from Oxford entail a genuine risk that people will buy this drug and take it without consulting a doctor. We would urgently warn anyone against doing this. The warnings about ibuprofen by the WHO and the French health minister also began in similar fashion. The research project concerning this drug was not interpreted correctly, and the WHO has since withdrawn its warnings in this regard. We made it clear right at the start that each case must be taken on its individual merits. Ibuprofen may be beneficial for one person, but harmful for another.
0: There is almost a competition between different companies and countries to see which of them can develop an effective drug or vaccine first. What do you make of that?
1: On the one hand, we see competition as something positive. There has been a massive push here, and more than 400 companies worldwide are working on different approaches. However, we must also remember that there are already some viruses that have been researched for decades and for which we have not yet found a vaccine, prime examples being malaria and HIV. However, there are effective medications that can offer a solution, and in our view, it is more likely that we will develop an effective drug against the SARS-CoV-2 virus, such as remdesivir, than a vaccine. But we are critical of some unsavory aspects of this contest. The clearly prescribed clinical phases are being cut short or streamlined, even by government bodies, due to the immense pressure. A case in point is Russia, where scientific opinion is being overridden under immense pressure from the government to find a vaccine. The result of this is that trials are going ahead with significantly smaller population groups and are being waved through with greater speed than accuracy. It generates a sense of euphoria that naturally brings correspondingly great rewards to companies in terms of share price. This is something that we are keeping a critical eye on. But the political activities of certain countries are also worrying. Companies are being bought up in order to give the purchaser exclusive rights over medicines and vaccines so that a country's own population goes to the head of the queue. The disagreement among the five permanent members of the UN Security Council also shows that there is no global consensus, and this is the biggest obstacle to finding an overall solution. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw this unhealthy competition in governments seeking to corner the market in personal protective equipment for hospitals.
0: Political pressures during the pandemic have been enormous. How do researchers and scientists respond to this?
1: Some politicians have recently even tried to put pressure on scientific publications. There are around 10 eminent publishing platforms that are considered authoritative. Our editorial team is in direct contact with several of them, and from the feedback we are getting, it is apparent that politicians are trying to influence what they say in print. So far, however, scientists have been resisting such political interference. But politicians play a key role in the communication process between science and the population at large. For example, ministers from different countries were collaborating on a so-called immunity passport. The problem here is that the public are given false hope that immunity may be around the corner, which ultimately undermines public faith not only in politics, but also in science.
0: What do you think will happen in the Northern Hemisphere when autumn arrives?
1: We see a big problem there. At the moment, the Southern Hemisphere is in the middle of its flu season. In recent years, the influenza strains have subsequently been made available to researchers in the Northern Hemisphere to develop vaccines. The quantity of samples currently being sent in has decreased by 62%, as laboratories are being kept busy with the pandemic. As a result, influenza vaccination will be much less effective than in recent years. This is one of our major concerns, because influenza is a major complication in the event of a possible simultaneous SARS-CoV-2 infection. For our clients in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the ideal time to optimize their immune system and to prepare for the virus season, which starts towards the end of September. They still have enough time and opportunity to take the appropriate measures to optimize their immune defenses. Vitamin D, for example, which is naturally produced, has very strong immunoregulatory functions, but only if it has been produced by daylight synthesis. People living in the Northern Hemisphere have the opportunity to regulate their natural vitamin D status over the summer. In this regard, we recommend the use of an app for effective management of daylight synthesis and protection from UV damage.
0: We are seeing more and more campaigns organised by survivors and close family of the deceased aimed at taking legal action against regional governments, hospitals or even politicians. The most active of these groups are to be found in Italy, France, Sweden and Northern England. They are suing for negligence or even manslaughter because governments responded too late to the pandemic. Do you think the decision to introduce lockdown in Europe came too late?
1: This is a political issue, whereby governments decide together with epidemiologists on the appropriate response. Our job as a consulting firm for health optimization is to equip the individual with the best possible defences in the case of an infection. Therefore, this is a political issue which we prefer to refrain from commenting on. However, the question also concerns the policy initially touted of herd immunity. In this matter, we decided very early on that herd immunity would not come about naturally and could only be achieved by means of an eventual vaccine. So, from this perspective, we consider that the decision made by some countries not to go into early lockdown did not make sense.
0: What specific measures do you think society as a whole should take?
1: High up on my list are prevention, natural defences and intensive research. What I personally dream of is an all-embracing antiviral solution. However, this is much more complex than, for example, an antibiotic against bacteria, because viruses turn our own metabolism against us, and that's what makes them so difficult to combat. In discussions about the virus, one can clearly see the different academic backgrounds of scientists and politicians. Anyone who has studied the natural sciences will also have a greater awareness of the fact that you cannot bargain with the laws of nature. In politics, however, people are used to finding compromises, and herein lies the problem. You cannot negotiate with a virus.
0: What do you think of the wide variety of vitamin supplements and simplistic solutions on the market currently being recommended as protection against catching COVID-19?
1: Because everyone starts from their own individual circumstances, any programme of health optimization and immunisation must always be individually designed. Our recommendations to our clients sometimes go as far as to say that the measures must be 180-degree complementary. What is beneficial for one person in his or her individual situation may be highly risky for another. Consequently, each individual requires a bespoke and complex catalogue of measures. The immune system is also very complex, and there can be no standard protocols. We advise against taking any vitamins or substances without detailed testing, as they could be exceedingly counterproductive and be extremely harmful. We see a great danger in the manufacturers of dietary supplements, encouraging people to take more and more of their products without knowing the individual situation of each person.
0: Why are individuals who have recovered from infection not immune?
1: In addition to the formation of antibodies, there are numerous, much more important factors that determine immunity after an infection. The effectiveness of antibodies depends on how long they continue to exist, how quickly they degrade, and how many have been produced in the first place. Immune memory is another important factor. This is where the T-memory cells cause the entire process to be recalled for combat in the event of a new infection. The specific and nonspecific T-helper cells, as well as the killer cells, also play a key role. There are also the so-called neutrophils that repel bacteria. A problem arises if the number of these neutrophils is increased. This is because the T-helper cells are then suppressed in their function and the course of immunization is impeded. The immune response is always based on two factors. Non-specific immunity, which is developed in the course of human evolution, is genetically innate to us and results in some people being more severely affected by the SARS-CoV-2 virus than others. In contrast, there is also specific immunity, which is adaptive and which we can always train and optimize during our lifetime. This is also the focus of the salvagene optimization strategy. Interleukins and interferons play a very important role in non-specific immune responses. We take detailed measurements of these interleukins and interferons epigenetically and by means of methylation tests as part of the diagnostics in our COVID-19 immunization program to see how these nonspecific mediators function. At the cellular level, the immune response is based on granulocytes, monocytes, and NK cells. NK stands for natural killer. The adaptive, specific immune system is reflected in the reactions of the T and B lymphocytes, which we also measure in detail, and from this we try to optimise these reactions, so that the effectiveness of immune memory and responses is maximised. It is also very important to model the fine-tuning of an immune response. This is the so-called specific cellular immune response and takes place through the interaction of the various cytokines and the activity of the regulatory T lymphocytes. This optimization must be implemented individually. All of this is highly important in achieving optimum immunity against the SARS-CoV-2 virus.
0: Why is it proving to be so difficult to find a suitable vaccine?
1: The immune system is one of the largest and most complex organs in our body. Its primary function is to shield us from microorganisms such as bacteria, fungi, toxins, viruses, parasites, etc., but it also protects against malignant degenerated cells, in other words, tumours. The immune defence is a system that has developed over the course of evolution and which is able to differentiate between the body's own tissue and foreign substances. This is important in preventing the body from producing a self-destructive response. Nowadays, this natural protection is often neutralised by the mistaken belief that the more vitamins we take, the more we are boosting our immune system. That is not the case, of course. What really matters is the overall balance of the immune system, namely the level of tolerance. In this respect, we have to be very careful about the steps we take towards optimization. Our COVID-19 trendometer provides a quick and convenient overview of the latest information on the pandemic and the probability of future developments. Although the trendometer sees scope for a vaccine, we believe that 100% successful coverage of the entire world population will only be possible with different vaccines for different population groups.
0: What influence does the SARS-CoV-2 virus have on your business?
1: The virus is a formidable foe. Only now, after several months, are we beginning to understand just how complex this virus is. It is a virus that affects multiple organs and often causes serious lasting harm to these organs that only becomes apparent at a later stage. Over the next few months, we will see millions of cases of this permanent damage coming to the fore, and this will once again put the virus in a different light. For Salvagene as a health consulting company, this is a danger that we have to take very seriously because we advise our clients on how to optimise their health. The virus presents a threat in terms of the permanent damage it can inflict on the heart, liver, kidneys and brain. Some of this damage is irreparable and is therefore a significant impediment to the efforts we make to optimise our health.
0: Why has Salvagene invested so much time and effort in the SARS-CoV-2 crisis?
1: Our core business is the optimization of our clients' health, and the virus has been shown to have an extremely negative impact on this. We are striving to understand the virus and thus protect our clients from adverse outcomes in the future. Because in contrast to influenza or a cold, where the physical impairments are temporary and rapidly diminish after the disease has been shaken off, this is not the case with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The consequential harm can persist for a long time and may even become chronic.
0: How exactly can the SalvaGene COVID-19 Immunisation Programme help build an immune memory?
1: Cells have different biochemical and functional criteria, and in order to interpret these functions, a CD classification is necessary. This allows us to read the immune system. CD stands for Cluster of Differentiation, and this molecule can be used to classify subpopulations. Some have receptor or signaling functions, while others perform enzymatic actions. They therefore function in very different ways and must be recorded and measured independently of each other. The most important are the CD3T lymphocytes, which have multiple functions and are vital to the immune defense in staving off viral infection. They play a crucial role in achieving immunization against the SARS-CoV-2 virus. But which other cell types also play a central role? Together with the nonspecific immune system, granulocytes and monocular phagocytes, the aforementioned NK cells form the first cellular defense line of the immune system and play a key part in preventing the SARS-CoV-2 virus from spreading unchecked via the ACE2 receptors. The CD8 T cells are also among the group that we aim to activate in our COVID-19 immunization program because they act as a regulator and thus suppress excessive immune reactions that call forth a cytokine storm. Depending on which populations of tea helper cells we measure in samples from our clients, we have various options for optimization.
0: What do these optimization options look like?
1: For example, we work with extracts of epigallocatechin gallate from green tea and the alpha-tocopherol derived from barley grass. It is extremely important to note that the form of intake is also relevant for the individual situation, so that the substrates reach the target organ in their entirety. Other recommendations include cold therapy, which massively stimulates and boosts the T-helper cell population. We have also been measuring the empirical value of the CD4-CD8 quotient for a number of years now. This shows how well the immune system is functioning, whether it is responding in a balanced way, and whether there are any immune dysregulations leading to an imbalance.
0: Are there any recommendations that are broadly valid for everyone?
1: It is important to sit out a cold caused by previous coronavirus strains because, just like our brain, the immune memory must be trained and used. The NK cells are of fundamental importance for non-specific defence against viral infections and are in the vanguard. These can also be stimulated and optimised very well. Cytotoxicity is very important here. The NK cells differ in their activity, which we call NK grading. From this, we can see whether there are any that are displaying reduced cytotoxic activity and could thus cause a more severe attack with significantly stronger symptoms in a possible infection. In our premium program, NK grading is tested twice a year so that we can assess the status of the natural killer cells in a timely fashion. At present, we are rather sceptical that a comprehensive vaccination will be discovered anytime soon, but we assume that we will be able to achieve an immunity status by natural means, similar to that achieved by a successful vaccination. For generally healthy people, it has been proven that it is possible to activate the immune system in such a way that they can achieve a similar immunity status. This is particularly attractive for clients who are reluctant to be vaccinated.
0: What specific recommendations do you make for avoiding a disease with COVID-19?
1: It is very important to differentiate between three types of viruses at the beginning of the common cold season. The coronavirus that causes colds, the norovirus that causes gastrointestinal illnesses, and the influenza virus that is responsible for flu. This is something that has to be vigorously addressed, because a bout of the norovirus or influenza virus massively weakens the immune system, which could prove to be disastrous if they coincide with, or precede, a SARS-CoV-2 infection. It should also be mentioned here that a flu vaccination this year will be less effective than usual, as the pandemic has obstructed the sharing of samples from the southern hemisphere. On the other hand, we think that a common cold could be beneficial, especially if allowed to clear up naturally, because the antibodies and T-memory cells to counter it are generated in increased quantities, and could therefore offer protection against a SARS-CoV-2 infection. An unnatural cure with ibuprofen, for example, would be rather counterproductive here. In some parts of the world, where it is now the height of summer, for example in Florida and Texas, we are seeing increasing numbers of infections despite the warmer weather. This is due to the fact that people hide away from excessive heat in air-conditioned rooms without ventilation, where aerosol contamination accumulates. Meanwhile, the antibodies built up during winter in response to common colds have already been partially broken down, which in turn causes reduced protection.
0: We have heard that mobile phones are bad for the immune system. Is that true?
1: Yes, that is why we recommend a digital detox, which has proven to be very effective for the immune system. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, there is a lot of digital consumption that stimulates the release of dopamine. The body gets accustomed to dopamine, and this can lead to chronically increased dopamine levels, which regulate the number of T and NK cells downwards and thus weaken the immune system.
0: How well prepared are salvagene's programmes for fighting the pandemic?
1: A decisive factor is the support provided by our artificial intelligence system. We launched it more than 18 months ago and therefore have a big advantage over the other consulting companies because our AI system already has a vast information base and is learning new things every day, including during the pandemic. We have full access to this data and we also feed it into our COVID-19 trendometer, which allows us to identify relevant trends early on. The latest innovation in the immunization program is also our very detailed methylation analysis and epigenetic analysis of specific receptors. This allows us to determine the state of a client's immune system with a high degree of accuracy and to work out measures for a completely individualized immune defense. This is the only valid approach to immune optimization, avoiding counterproductive actions. Very important are the hematopoietic, interferon, immunoglobulin, TNF, and chemokine receptor families, which we monitor very closely to see how the immune defense is developing.
0: Does Selvagine employ any other analytical methods?
1: We also carry out simulation tests. This is already a standard procedure for many product developers, such as in the automotive industry, but unfortunately not yet in medicine. In these simulations, we see what kind of ingredients can build up a monocytic immune competence. This works via LPS gram-negative bacteria that respond to toll-like receptors 4, monocytes, granulocytes, and endothelial cells, allowing us to develop a supplementation strategy. Lipopolysaccharides are gram negative bacteria located in the outer cell wall and cause the secretion of monokines, in particular of interleukin 1b and interleukin 10, via the toll like receptor 4. This is used to measure LPS stimulation, which gives us information about monocytory immune competence.
0: Is the prevention concept suitable for everyone?
1: Our COVID 19 immunization program is a preventative program, as indeed is the entire salvaging product and service portfolio. Sometimes it is difficult for the public to weigh up abstract risks and to avoid them by means of preventative measures. Our programs can help with this. It's essentially a matter of personal attitude. There are people who want to optimize their health and thus take preventative action, while others prefer to wait until something happens before reacting. We know so much about prevention because we have been active in the field of cancer prevention for 10 years now and have gained considerable experience. One of my lectures begins with a quote, There is no glory in prevention, and it is indeed true. But society is only now beginning to realise just how wrong that is.
0: What actions do you expect from your clients?
1: It is imperative that our members are thoroughly knowledgeable about how health works and that they keep themselves well informed during the pandemic. We help them to sift and filter through the welter of information in exhortations. It is important for us that our clients really understand why we recommend certain courses of action. Only if they can understand this will they accept our recommendations and stick to them, and only then can we all work together to achieve the goal of optimising their health. Our clients certainly don't have to be trained biochemists, but quite a few of them will certainly have reached an almost comparable level.
0: Many thanks for the interview. Is there anything else you would like to say to us in conclusion?
1: I would like to share one more positive message. It is the case that almost all of our premium clients have already gone through the COVID-19 immunization program. If they adhere to all the measures we recommend, they will be able to present an optimally prepared immune system. As soon as we have more capacity available in our laboratories again, we will make this program publicly available so that non-members can also benefit from it.